Hello, everybody. I'm Dwayne Mancini, and welcome to another episode of the Project MedTech Podcast. If you need anything from us or would like to suggest a future guest, you can email us at info at projectmedtech.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. And you can always visit our website, www.projectmedtech.com, or follow us on LinkedIn. If you're enjoying this content, don't forget to check out our other podcasts by searching MedTech Money on your favorite podcast platform or by heading to our website. MedTech Money is an interview-style podcast focused on demystifying raising and investing capital for MedTech startups. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Galen Data. Galen Data is the cloud for medical device makers. The Galen Cloud provides a configurable platform for device-to-cloud connectivity that is compliant to FDA, HIPAA, and CE Mark standards. Built on 40-plus years of collective experience developing compliance systems in the medical device industry, the company's goal is to make medical device cloud connectivity available to all at a fraction of the cost while shaving months off the development timeline. In this episode, our guest Sanjeev Saxena and I discuss Hooray DX, Lawrence Livermore National Labs, Women Cancer Diagnostics, what he learned as a six-time entrepreneur, his best advice for that first-time entrepreneur, and so much more. So without further ado, my discussion with Sanjeev Saxena. Medical innovation starts with medical discussion. Talking about the future and what comes next with Project MedTech. Okay, Sanjeev, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, Sanjeev, uh, maybe just tell the listeners a little bit about um, who you are. Uh, and and what you do. Okay, great. Uh, First of all, Duane, I'd like to thank you for inviting me on this podcast. Uh, I'm Sanjeev Saxena, the founder and CEO uh, and CTO of HurryDX. I'm a serial entrepreneur, have done multiple companies. Uh, My last company was POC Medical System, which was also a cancer diagnostic company. Prior to that, uh, I founded a cancer therapeutics company in gene therapy back in uh, the mid 2000s early 2000s and uh, uh, ran that in India uh, we were the first biotech company there uh, I helped my father start a med device company we were the first ones to come up with computer aided diagnostics for breast cancer which is the standard of care throughout the uh, world today and uh, with my brother earlier started, uh, we started a bio instrumentation company when there were less than about 20 biotech companies. Uh, and some of the products which we make are being used for manufacturing products like, uh, like COVID vaccines, etc. So, you know, been in this field for a long time. Very cool. So, real quick too, uh, if you if you can move the microphone closer to you, and then also speak up just a little bit, it's quiet. Okay. Um, sometimes, sometimes when you wear the headphones, you have a tendency to uh, not talk as loud. But um, so, so really, so this is cool. So, how many companies in total, Sanjeev? So, uh, directly, I founded uh, three, four companies. Now, there was another wow. diagnostic company in Malaysia. Uh, called Telesto Diagnostics. Um, so I founded four companies and then two in collaboration with my brother and my dad, as I mentioned. Yep. So about six companies to date. Okay. 
and and have you exited all six of these or what? No, been the... there's one okay. which went public, uh, and then another one which we sold off, and uh, a couple of them we licensed out the products uh, and the technology, um, and the last one which was POC Medical Systems. Unfortunately, we were in the process of raising our Series B, and that's when. Uh, through a partner in China, one of the largest diagnostic companies. And unfortunately, we had the term sheets and we had negotiated the deal. Unfortunately, at that time, the regulations changed that under the CFIS Act, we could not take money at that time. So we unfortunately had to shut down that company. Uh, it was too late to turn the ship around at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, sure. Okay, cool. Um, so I, I want to circle back to this because I do want to cover what you're doing with Hooray uh, right now really quick. But then I, I, I want to come back to um, the taking a, public pu pu a company public, licensing, selling a company off. You, you've, you've kind of done all of that. So that's, that's pretty rare that we have an entrepreneur who's been through those experiences. So I want to cover that. So, so your current company has Hooray DX and, and full disclosure um, for the listeners, but, but uh, Hooray DX and Project MedTech Consulting Group are, are partners. We're working together on a few things. Um, you could find Hooray DX on our website, so we're not really hiding anything. I just wanted to be transparent there. Uh, Sanjeev, can you talk a little bit about the history of Hooray? What problem you're working on solving and, and, and what kind of solution you have and in your current status. Absolutely. So Hurry DX is a company which uh, is about a year and a half old. Uh, we're working on cancer diagnostics using a portable uh, machine. So literally we have developed the first world's, uh, the world's first uh, low-cost portable device uh, where you can take cancer testing to people worldwide, even in rural areas. The history of RADX, going a little background about this, uh, as I mentioned, uh, my previous company was POC Medical Systems. We had uh, located a technology from Lawrence Livermore National Labs, which was for breast cancer. And we had, uh, we retested that and we found it uh, it gave an 85 to 90 percent sensitivity specificity, which is much higher than the sensitivity specificity of, of mammograms, which is the standard of care today. And that's in the U.S. and uh, the Western world. But when you look at about 70 percent of the world's population, which lives in the emerging economies or what we call the third world, uh, they literally have no access to mammography. And those places, the standard of care is a physical exam. Literally to do that, the tumor has got to have grown to a point where you can feel it through palpitation. Unfortunately, when you go to the Middle East and uh, uh, places like India and China, women don't go in and get either mammograms done or a clinical physical exam because most of these places are run by men. And so you find out of the 60 million, out of the 
2 billion women over the age of 40 who need to be tested only 60 million mammograms are done today and of that you find about 2 and a half million women are found to have cancer and about half of them die so in reality if you were to extrapolate to all 2 billion women you probably have about 160 million women walking around with cancer without even realizing it and about half of them even dying uh due to either the disease or complications due to the disease and so we you know and all of us have been in one way or another been touched by cancer and specifically breast cancer women are the nucleus of the family and so if the nucleus gets touched everyone does right and so our goal at radiax is to bring cancer diagnostics to everyone right and we know if you can find cancer early you can save lives it's not about detecting it 5 years in advance and saying hey you can get this 5 years from now you can be careful that's important but you need to know today what's happening so that you can do an intervention right that's the only way to really save lives and that's what we are about so we found this technology at poc and unfortunately as i mentioned uh we couldn't get the series b funding because of the change in regulations and so uh after shutting down the company we resurrected it the technology had uh, had a lien on it from our lead investors in uh, poc we did a deal with them and they're and we got the technology back at Heredix and they are now one of our investors which is BioVenture Investors or a shareholder in the company and so uh the journey is been about 6 years in the making you know uh to bring this test and we actually showed that the test with about with eight different studies in house and the studies done at Lawrence Livermore we could get a pretty consistent over 85% sensitivity and specificity we are now we are in a design for manufacturing phase we are going through that and once we get that part of it done we expect to be able to go into clinical trials post obviously post our funding mhm wonderful so so for those who are listening in who don't quite know because we do have a uh, a global audience Lawrence Liver- Livermore National Laboratory is uh, a, a national laboratory here in the United States specifically in Livermore California uh, but it was founded by um uh, UC Berkeley um originally i think it was designated a national laboratory in um the 80s let me look real quick i think it was in 81 so so anyways that's 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 when when we say lawrence livermore national laboratory that's what we're talking about um great so so um you know i think i'd, I'd love to I'd love to hear you touch a little bit more on the importance of the diagnostic game right because i think a lot of times you know a lot of people talk about treatments um uh or yes. or and and you could take the covid pan, the the covid pandemic's a great example right in terms of national coverage the vaccine got a lot of that correct uh that's a preventative measure right but then also the 
the drugs that came out that were antivirals got a lot of attention. And, and generally speaking, you know, even before that, a lot, a lot of, a, a lot of drugs get the primary national media coverage. Um, but you know, as we saw, and 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 if you're equating this to um, like a military, your early detection systems are are really what saves a lot of lives. Um, obviously treatments do, but treatments aren't effective unless you could properly diagnose. And so that's, that's, you're starting to see a, a big push into, <laughs> um, personalized medicine and some other things. So, you know, I, I, I think what you're hitting on is, is so important because the, the sooner breast cancer is diagnosed, the more effective treatments are, the the better the survival rate. I, I'm guessing there's probably some data on this. Yeah, so uh, there's, there's a lot of articles which have been written on it, but it's not just that. So if you really look at it, if you can find, uh, you know, the amount of money spent today on cancer diagnostics is about $140 billion, right? Wow. And diagnostics and treatment. And you're you're really touching less than 10% of the world's population today. Okay. And so, and then when you look at women's cancer, <clears throat> things like breast cancer, cervical, endometrial, and ovarian cancer, you know how much is spent? Only $24 billion out of the $140 billion. Wow. And that's, you're you're spending the least amount on the nucleus of the family. That's strange, right? We should be spending a lot more. Uh, but if you can find cancer early, your treatment costs also come down dramatically. So just imagine, you know, today mammography costs about one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars minimum, right? Now, if someone's living on wages of you know, about $50 a month, or they're living in rural communities where they don't have access to mammography, what do they do? You go to uh, someone in Tanzania, you go to someone in India, you go to someone in Pakistan, or uh, wherever, or the Middle East, where you don't have access to mammography, you got a problem. You do the similar, there's a similar thing with cervical cancer. Women won't go and get themselves tested or ovarian there's literally nothing for for ovarian today and so that's where we come in we want to bring access to cancer testing to everyone so now you can find it early you can cut down the cost you can save the lives and so your total healthcare cost comes down dramatically right just imagine if you start screening each and every woman using mammography for breast cancer, 2 billion women at, even if you say $100, you'd, mm. the countries would go broke. They cannot afford to do it. And so what we are doing is bringing a test which would be less than $10. You, you touched on, doing, you touched on uh, the pandemic. We, we said COVID was a pandemic. How many people were affected in reality? About 60 million, 70 million. Isn't mm -hmm. cancer a pandemic? Right. 
just by the nature yeah. just when you look at breast cancer now if you look at all cancers it's a major issue and the only way to really have an effective cost effective treatment is by early detection mm-hmm. yeah I, I i i totally agree um so 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 currently um you have a uh, uh, not a you have you have an MVP built or is it more of a um, uh, we do I'm blanking on the yeah, word here we, okay yep we actually do you, this is okay you can see the disc out here so this was a yeah. original uh, disc which we developed it as I mentioned uh, at POC Medical Systems and yep. you could literally put in a few drops of blood lift up this. Okay out here put in the drop a few drops of blood put it into a machine yeah. which is about this big you know about yeah. uh, eight by eight by eight right and we did the testing with that so and based on the testing we found we could get 85 percent sensitivity specificity okay. the, that was using four of the five biomarkers lawrence livermore had developed and we we found there were certain issues that we had to address and so now we have redesigned the disk to address those issues. And we are in the process of redesigning the instrument. And then we go into testing. So basically, the prototyping is done, right? And right. we have proven that the technology works. Now it is a matter of commercializing it by going through the optimization and getting the clinical study done and bringing it into the market. Yeah. Yeah, so that was the word I was looking for was prototyping. So, so for those listening in, which is everybody, because this is a audio podcast, um, what the product that Sanjeev showed me on screen looked like is is essentially a CD with like little compartments, um, and and so that's where you're doing the um, uh, biomarker testing in is is isn't another instrument. You you put the CD in almost, and it it, it it'll read that. So that's 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 really cool. Um, you know, one thing I, I want to ask you. Um, and, and this is every diagnostic company has to deal with this now. How do you deal with, with what happened with Theranos? Um, and, and, you know, knowing that that is a public story now, um, if you're a scientist, like for myself, I, I understand, right? I, I get it. Um, I understand what they did. I understand what you're trying to do. And I understand that they're totally different right um but but when you have something like that that goes viral how does that affect you as a i'm just curious in terms of family members hey sanjeev what are you working on and you explain it to them and they go oh yeah kind of like theranos or you 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 pitch to an investor and an investor's like boy i've seen this story before right so how do how do you deal with that so that's that's a very good question and i deal with it pretty much every time I'm talking to someone. And they, you know, especially <laughs> Theranos had gone out of the of people's mind and now it's back with uh, with the trial that happened with yeah. uh, with Elizabeth Holmes and Sunny Balwani. The fact of the matter is there were issues at Theranos. Having said that, uh, I will give it to Elizabeth for being a trailblazer in the point of care diagnostic space, right? And she mm-hmm. brought to the world that point of care can come into being, and that's how we got all these point of care tests for uh, for COVID, 
right? So, however, they didn't really have the technology and they wouldn't show what they were doing to anyone. The mm -hmm. real difference is not being afraid to show what you have, right? And I take it out and like I just showed you on the, you know, unfortunately everyone cannot see it, but we have the instrument and the disc and I'm more than happy to show it to people. Uh, we don't try to hide that. And mm -hmm. uh, so that's important, being very transparent and being transparent to let people know where you are. For example, I mean, the uh, from what I've read and heard that they said everything's working and they were doing things on a Siemens machine, that's not what you do. You tell people exactly where you are. And mm -hmm. it's the choice of the investors whether they want to invest or no, right? You don't want to say something and be somewhere else. And so we, we like to be transparent. We, you know, we are saying this is where we are, this is what we have to do next. And yep. uh, that's important. And then uh, we have shown it to various physicians and got their feedback. So, um, you know, but, but reality is just letting people know exactly where you are. You have to be very truthful about it right from get-go. You can't say one thing and things be very different from that. Yeah, culture is so important. Um, and, and that starts at the top, right, with, with, with the CEO. Um, and so, yeah, that's... that's that's. As a matter of fact, pretty... you know, I was just telling you earlier that I'm talking to an investor in India and they want to do a... Uh, they want to test it on some patients. And I said, we are not ready for that because we are in right. a design for manufacturing phase. There are going to be changes that will happen as we go along. We are introducing a fifth marker. We know with four markers, we are getting 85% sensitivity. With the fifth marker, we believe we'll get 90%. And the discs that I have are expired. So I go in there and do a test. It may, may not work. And I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, that's the reality, right? Yeah. So being transparent upfront is important. Yeah, I love that. Um, so, so with Hooray um, in this current this current endeavor, and then I'll I'll dive into the other ones. But with Hooray, um, it's a unique story, right? You've painted that picture um, of having a company and things not going. Um, well that were outside of your control, right? Uh, and then picking it back up here. Um, can you talk a little bit of like, what have, some, what have been some of the most important steps for you in this, in this early entrepreneurial story um, that has allowed you to have the early success, right? I mean, um, is, it, is it, you know, strong partnerships? Is it the, the advisory board around you? I mean, talk about some of those things that you feel are really important for a, an early entrepreneur. Yeah, I think, I think all of those, what you mentioned, Dwayne, are important. Having a strong advisory board, having strong uh, partners is critical. Um, having a board of directors, which is strong, is important as well. Um, and, and putting your deck together and being transparent and open is, again, very, very important. It, <clears throat> but I think using your network to get the message out there is critical. You know, uh, 
we all have a story and if you you may have the best technology but if you keep it a secret nobody is going to know it and nobody is going to use it right so you have to be able to get out and tell the story and tell it in a way that people understand and are willing to buy into it it's it's really about storytelling i'm not the best storyteller in the world but uh, getting out there and talking about it is important and and showing the proof you know that's another thing one of the things that we did at hurray this time unlike my previous companies we have outsourced to strong partners we have a group which is working on the microfluidics which is very strong in that field they don't do anything else there's another group which does only assays they are very strong in that field there's another group which is working on the engineering aspect they're very strong we are we are a small team of seven people but we are literally working outside and if you were to bring all those people in house you'd have about 50 60 people you know so you have to be able to utilize your resources as well so you know rather than taking the money and spending on hiring everyone and the infrastructure build things get that done and then bring it to Uh, to regulatory approval before you start bringing things in house having partners like you and others are important having a great law firm is important like we have with hens and boons it's again important because they can guide you each one of them is guiding you there very very strong in their own uh in their own respective fields and so getting advisors people people feel hey if we get advisors that means you know the investors are going to say you don't know what you're doing well no i think the the advisors actually help you and guide you uh in the right direction and you can't know everything you just can't e- even with having done six companies i i still see myself faltering at times and having the advisors guides you it yeah, sanjeev that's it's so spot on it's it's so funny i think we You know, when we were forming Project MedTech Consulting, um, you know, not the Project MedTech, it's the the media company, but the consulting portion, it was it was a constant discussion of, well, so what kind of client do you think we'll work with and and, you know, if you're a five-time entrepreneur, you know, do we still add value there? And um through our market research, we learned very quickly that yeah, the 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 really good entrepreneurs don't don't act like they know everything even though they're on their 6th or 7th or 5th or 2nd company whatever it is multiple companies the really good ones still you know they've learned from the past mistakes and go yeah i i know i need a really good team around me how do i get that team around me um and so i think that's really reassuring to hear you say that because i think really humble entrepreneurs are the ones that understand that and they're the successful ones well, each time. I'll give you right. a, I'll give you an example from the Indian history mythology. You know, yeah. if if you bear with me for a second. Uh yeah. you, you, everyone knows about the Bhagavad Gita and Krishna, right? Krishna was the coach for Arjun in the in the epic Mahabharata which is the big the war that happened between these two uh 
cousin groups, right? And mm-hmm. that's why he coached Arjun. Arjun was the was the greatest warrior in those times, and everyone was scared of him. And he could literally go in and uh, win the war alone. But even he needed a coach, and Krishna didn't uh, act like God. He was coaching him. And so everyone needs a coach. Even the best warrior needs a coach. You know, and uh, so it doesn't matter what experience you have. He could, Arjun could close his eyes. He was, he had his eyes tied. They tested him and he could shoot into the eye of a pigeon with Mm -hmm. an, with all, with his eyes, with himself blindfolded. But even he needed a coach. And that's the same thing with any entrepreneur or any uh, successful businessman. If you if you look at anyone out there, they have a board of directors and board of advisors to really guide them and advise them. And not just for show. Good entrepreneurs will always have them and use them for the help, not just say, hey, I've got so and so. Yeah. Yeah, 100% right. We spend a lot of time coaching entrepreneurs on how to get the most out of their board, right? And think about that when you're building a board of who are you actually going to get to participate and 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 actually give you some 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 data and not just be a picture you put on a slide deck. Correct. You know? I mean, for yeah. right now, for example, we've got on our board a gentleman who's very well connected in India, who's on the board of directors, so that he can help us with the whole India strategy. We've got on the board mm-hmm. someone from China who can help us with the whole Chinese strategy. And and that's important, getting those people, right? It's you're not going to be able to do everything. Yeah, 100%. I, I think that's great. Um, so, so let me ask about... Uh, the other companies, right? So you said one one public, one you sold, and and two of them you licensed, Correct. right? Um, can you talk about how, for all of those, right? Sometimes we talk to entrepreneurs and they're like, hey, our goal is we're exiting in five years, or our goal is to take this, you know, and, and actually try to build a, a sustainable company here. Others have the licensing play. Can you talk about, did, did, did you have different mentalities with all of these? Or when you started these companies, it was, I want to build a successful company and kind of, and then kind of let the, the exit, the going public or the licensing kind of play out from there. I mean, what was that? Was the mentalities different or did you go into them all the same and then it kind of evolved? I think it's, it's both. Um, okay. Right from the beginning, you have to... You have to think about exit strategies because investors need to get their return on investment, right? But you also have to think about growing the company, right? It's not, you can't have an exit if you don't do things right and grow the company uh, and get the right multiples, right? So it's important whether you take it public, whether you sell the company or you license the uh, technology, right? So we, that's what we look at, right? Is looking at everything holistically. But at the end of the day, each company has its own unique exit strategy. It's not one size 
fits all, right? And sometimes people say, well, we really want to exit only by selling uh, or only by going IPO. It may, may not be the case. For example, I'll tell you in the case of HeredX, what could be an exit strategy and more likely than not would be a sale of the company. There are companies out there which are working on cancer diagnostics today, but they don't have a portable system. They don't have a low cost way of doing it. They don't have accessibility to these emerging economies. And so in this case, they are way ahead of the curve. We can bring their technologies onto our platform and help them get into those markets. So that could be an exit strategy for her ADX. For, uh, for Separagen, which was a tools company, the exit strategy was, was taking it public. You know, and with my dad's company, we had developed the computer-aided diagnostics. And by itself, it was the software, right? By itself, it just cannot grow. So we had, we did an exit by selling the company so that it could be merged into the mammography instruments, right? So it all depends on each particular company. Uh, in the case of Actus Biologics, which was a therapeutics company, we had we had uh, taken the the product from preclinical all the way into phase three. The way to do that was through partnerships, and so then licensing out the technology was important as part of that. So it, each one you have to look at it in uh, in uh, independently and the market conditions, and then decide what the exit strategy should be. Yeah, and, and you said one thing that we highlight on all the time, right, is regardless of what your exit strategy is, you have to focus on growing the company. Exactly. Um, and, and, it, and, it, and, and, and if you don't focus there, none of it, not, not, nothing else matters. Correct. Right? The exit cannot yeah. happen if you are not focused on the company itself. Yeah, I think that's super important. Um, so, so you know, being a six-time uh, you know entrepreneur, being in startups, always being in 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 this like you know health tech field as well. Um, what are some other maybe lessons learned um, that you've 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 kind of either figured out the hard way, uh, you know, along the way that people can avoid, or or, or what have you? Sure, I think. Uh... Utilizing your resources well is important. Um, mm -hmm. And secondly, one of the most important things is being very focused. You know, And mm -hmm. as entrepreneurs, a lot of things come your way and you get excited, especially if you're a technology guy uh, and you love engineering and science. There are things which will try, uh, you know, technology which could defocus you, right? So... Remaining focused on your goal is critical. I, I get excited by a lot of technologies. And the advice I've had from my board and advisors is, Sanjay, focus. You can't go off and do this. So a lot of people come and ask me, hey, how about doing this for cervical or uh, you know, prostate or cardiac? And today I tell people, no, I'm not going to do all that. Right now I need to remain focused. And uh, cancer is the area. and to prove everything, I have to remain focused on breast cancer. I'm not going to do other things right now. Down the road, we will get into other things, but not at this point. Uh, 
So that's critical. Remaining focused is the number one yeah. critical thing to do. Um, and then the other thing I would say is raising just enough money, but not, you, you have to understand the market conditions. So you don't want to raise too much money, not because people think because valuation and you'll lose uh, the equity position in your company. But it is, if you have too much money, you tend to start doing a bunch of other things and you lose focus. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. But not having enough money is also a negative, right? Because then you're not able to do things and, and understanding the market conditions as to when you should raise more capital because market conditions change and you won't be able to raise capital. So again, that's important. You know, so so those are those are the things I would look at, and I'm, that's what I'm looking yeah. at. Yeah, Sanjeev, I, I I love that, and I think the focus piece um, is is hyper important. We we use a phrase inter a phrase internally, and I I it's it's a it's a public phrase, right? People have used it before, but I forget who said it in our team, and we used it a lot. But you you can't boil the ocean. Correct. Um, it's just not going to happen, right? Correct. And so uh, that that hyper focus is, that. is is really important. You can't important. boil the yeah. ocean. I love that. That's yeah. Makes yeah, yeah. I think I think Mike Kermeens is uh, the one who told me that. Um, I heard him use it. I'm not very good with phrases, but that's the one I I always file away because I use it so often. Um, and one one so, other thing, Dwayne, is I think yeah. when someone gets into something, you gotta you gotta be committed to it. If you're not committed to something, don't get into it. You know, for yeah. me, uh, doing cancer diagnostics, I'm committed to it, and that's why even though we shut down the P, uh, shut down POC, I believe there's a market. I believe there's a need out there which is not being fulfilled even today and so that's why I continue to go on this journey with Heredia X uh, it's it's a mission to do something which is meaningful yeah yeah uh, I love that um, so Sanjeev with that being said I, I don't I don't have any other questions uh, we're about 35 minutes in which is which is really good timing um, is there anything else in closing that you want to add before we, we, we wrap things up? And Absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, as I mentioned, uh, it's a mission, and I'd like to invite others who are interested in a mission like this to partner with us and work with us, we, yeah. you know, be it in the form of partnerships, be in the form like you and I with consulting, or, or you know, if they're interested in investing, we'd love to talk to people. It's, uh, it's, again, I think it's about passion and being able to do something about it. And I think, as I said earlier, each one of us has been uh, touched by cancer uh, in our lives. And it is what can we do for our loved ones? That's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds that sounds great. Um, I love that. Um, all right, Sanjeev, hang on for one minute. I will include a link to Hooray's website in the show notes, uh, LinkedIn, 
Um, so if anyone's listening, you can scroll up or down an inch, click on that, um, and that'll take you to Sanjeev's LinkedIn or Hooray DX's website. Um, but Sanjeev, thanks again for doing this. Thanks for sharing your insight, your background, your history, what you're working on, uh, and, and your mission. Cause it's, it's, it's awesome. And, and, uh, that is the one thing we know for sure is that if an entrepreneur is not passionate about what they're doing, they probably not going to be successful. And so, um, happy to hear that. Uh, Sanjeev, hang on for one minute and we'll chat offline. Sure. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. If you need anything from the podcast, you can always contact us at info at Thanks for listening and have a great day.